On this week's episode of the CMB Podcast, I share with you my chat with singer-songwriter Sean Carter. If you haven't heard of him yet, then you'll be a fan after today's episode. His heart for Jesus and his heart to serve others is absolutely contagious. And it not only comes through in his music, but also in his everyday life. We talked about his story, songwriting, his recent album entitled The Telling, and a lot more. That's where we're headed today on the CMB Podcast, Session 45. Welcome to the CMB Podcast, a podcast designed to serve people of faith who make music. If you're looking for practical and inspirational ideas to help you in your musical craft, then look no further. ChristianMusicBlog.com is all about helping you think differently about creativity through eyes of faith as you learn how to establish healthy musical habits and disciplines, fueling your creativity and making you more prolific for the glory of God. And now your host, Nate Fancher. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 45 of the CMB Podcast. It's great to be back again. I'm, I'm so thankful that I get to do this, and I'm thankful for you who listen. It means so much. Um, 45, I can't believe we're here on the 45th session of the podcast. If you're new with us today, we are all about serving artists, songwriters, music makers, uh, people of faith who are creative. And um, if you're a Christian musician, uh, then this podcast is for you. We, we cover a variety of different subjects that matter to you. And um, I believe uh, we're all on this journey together. I myself am a songwriter, a singer. And um, if you're looking to grow with me in your artistic craft, I invite you to join us here at CMB. And so if that is you, the first time listening to this podcast, I want to just encourage you to head over to christianmusicblog.com slash gift. And there you'll find a gift that I have for you. It'll help you in your songwriting process. I'm a big believer in practical tools that, that help create an easy avenue for discipline. I'm naturally not a very disciplined person. And so it helps when I come across things that help leverage discipline in my life. And so you'll get a gift there. It's a free guide on how you can use Evernote to be a more prolific songwriter and to be more organized. That's kind of what it comes down to. Honestly, I think um, if you're like me, you're probably not naturally organized either. And um, Evernote really helps me with that. And so in your songwriting process, check that out. And um, I think you'll enjoy it. It's, again, christianmusicblog.com slash gift. I was with him When he rode into town And the crowds gathered round him like a king The smiling faces Joined a sea of branches waving Though they were masquerading in the end And my heart rose in my throat When I heard them sing Hosanna In the Oh, 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 oh,
we went upstairs Broke the bread and drank the wine From the only living vine that we would taste And I watched them Take him up the mountainside Crucified though innocent And they mocked him And cursed him with their mouths And they told him to come down If he was God And my heart broke in my chest When I heard the 45th session of the podcast and it's great to have uh, my new friend Sean Carter on the podcast today. Sean, thanks for being with us on the CMB podcast, man. Yeah, my pleasure, dude. It's awesome. Yeah, so um, we're going to talk about a handful of different things, but why don't we why don't we just start by having you share with our listeners 
who you are, maybe how you came to faith in Christ. You were sharing with me a little bit ago about your story. I found that very cool, so I'd love to have you share that yeah. with our listeners. Yeah, I'll try to give you the short version. Um, I uh, kind of I grew up in a in a Christian home. We didn't we didn't go to church all the time because we had this ranch in uh, in Oklahoma. So we would go out there on the weekends. So I'd go to like country church with my, a country church kind of thing with my with my grandmother. Um, but my parents are people of faith. And uh, my high school years, I was kind of crazy. Got got into like the the party lifestyle a little bit, and um, some friends of mine got into a little bit of trouble just for some pranks we pulled, and so we were all on, our parents had had us all on ground on grounded for the summer, but we heard about this youth camp that was going to happen in South Padre Island on the beach, and we thought, well, our parents would let us go to church camp, and uh, we won't tell them it's at the, at the beach until, you know, we get further in the conversation, so... They were like, wow, you guys want to go to church camp? Great. So we all uh, we signed up, and we almost got sent home because we were, we were so frustrated at the crowded bus experience. And, um, and you know, like they were like, we just almost got sent home. But by the time we left this, uh, this youth camp, God had really grabbed hold of all of our hearts, uh, myself and my, my four of my closest friends. And... Um, I was a musician then and played guitar and, and sang at that time, you know, while we were all doing things we shouldn't have been doing, drinking or whatever, and um, and partying at too young of an age. And um, But I got to know some guys there who were leading worship, and the youth pastor found out that I played, and um, so I started interning at the church, learning about worship, and started leading worship for a youth group, and, and um, really felt just this call to, to worship leading. Um, I feel like guys have asked me actually about this. How did you know when you're supposed to lead worship? And I, and I feel like it's just like when it's a passion that burns in you and you can't imagine yourself doing anything else except just uh, worshiping and leading people in that. And it's something you can't imagine yourself not doing. And that's kind of the feeling I had. And so I went to Bible college and um, been leading worship now for, you know, since that time, what is that? Like maybe 15 years now. So it's awesome. kind of the the nutshell journey there. Yeah, it's very cool. Say, so so um, you, you you were sharing just a minute a minute ago before we hit record. Um, you had worked at a church for a little while, and then you um, ended up transitioning to full time musician work, full time worship leading, full time songwriting, all that. <coughs> How was that process for you? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I, I worked at, uh, I've only worked at a couple churches. I, I, I've really loved to stay at a place for a long time. So I did youth worship, then was part of a church plant for three years. And I led for um, a young adults gathering here in Dallas that's, that's still, still going and making a great impact in the city. And then um, began uh, a, an artistic focused worship venue at a church in Plano, Texas, and was there for five years. But kind of as I started writing more songs and um, and really diving into artistry and, and songwriting, um, it was it was a discernment process where, um, you know, the pastors there were, they basically said, you're, you guys are creating really, like, aw- like, awesome art on 
Sunday morning. We did this series in Christmas, an Advent series, and every week we started with a Latin, a song in Latin, and we reworked all of these old Christmas songs, and it was really like beautiful artistically. But they they just kind of <clears throat> my pastors were like, wow, like you know, you have this knack for for artistry, but maybe you should start working on you know a recorded project, and and really make uh, make what we're doing at this art arts environment a little bit less artistic and, and so it was kind of a cool conversation where they encouraged me to to um, to actually start a recording process so I went ended up going part-time at the church working on my record um, you know the other part of the time and then as it released went to um, the off staff so um, that was a really cool journey I guess to to have but um, Definitely one that is uh, requires a great bit of faith, you know, to yeah, say, I bet. I bet. you know, this is my full-time job. Now now I'm only getting half my income, and now I'm stepping out into, you know, basically tr full trust and dependency on, on the Lord. So mm. um, that in itself, too, is one is a decision that should be made, I believe, with your church leadership, with your... Um, with your pastors, and make sure that um, everyone is hearing that journey for you, and it's not just uh, something that that, uh, that some kind of idealistic dream that you're chasing. Is that I don't know if that makes sense. Totally, but, absolutely. You know, so, yeah, I'm sure um, a lot. I'm sure a lot of folks listening to this would would understand that tension. Um, you know, they really have the the passion in their heart, the drive to to want to go do something like that, but um, it may not be the right time. Or, may, or it could be for some people completely idealistic and and really more of a distraction. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I feel like for me, you know, I I made that journey after working in the church for ten, twelve years. You know, I, I feel like um, you have to you have to be well grounded in your faith and well discipled to to really it, it you know step out and do that. And for me, I felt it was the right time to do that later rather than earlier, especially in, early in my faith, having come from that, you know, struggling teenage background, I could have seen how it could have been bad for me to, to, to step out into full-time artistry and not be at the same church week after week. But even now, as I, as I lead and travel and lead at other churches on Sundays, I have a home church that I volunteer with um, weekly in their marriage ministry, you know, and that feels really good too, just to be able to say, hey, I'm here to volunteer and come and lead worship for free because this is my home and I want to invest in a home place, you know. That's so, awesome. How, how important has having that community been to you? Um, you know, it, it is, community is essential, I think, even to the songwriting uh, and the songwriting that I do is that songs come out of conversations of, of struggle or dependence on the Lord or what He's doing in your life or in your church. And, and being rooted in a local church um, allows you to really know what, what people are struggling with in your area and your people. And when you look in the eyes of people, like for me, in the marriage ministry, it's called re-engaged. And so a lot of people are they're in this place of brokenness, but looking in, in their faces when you lead worship, realizing that they're really struggling, gives you a heart 
for them, you know. And so the community of local church in that sense is um, it it allows you to write for them, you know. If you're not plugged in, if you're not looking at people eye to eye um, and shepherding them, then how can you write for them, you know? So, and then community in that other aspect of just having a great group of friends who know you and know your life yeah. and that you can be honest with about struggles um, and burdens. And, you know, I, I don't think I, that we, I think it's how we're designed, you know, how God's designed us for community. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I know we're kind of going off what we had talked about. Sorry, man. I know. Sorry. Well, <laughs> this is good. I like. That, I like the real. Maybe like, it's maybe that's for somebody. You know. Yeah. So exactly. Well, I, I definitely want people to get a, a good understanding of your story more than just yeah. how you came to faith in Christ and all that. But, but who, who is Sean Carter? Not who? Not not who is Jay Z? Right. Who right, is the real? Right. Who is the real Sean Carter? Well, the real I Sean am, Sean Carter. Please I stand the up. Real Sean Carter. So. <laughs> I'm he sorry, I couldn't, wrong, I couldn't resist it, man. I couldn't resist it. I, I, I'm so it's sorry. all good. I just wish that someone out there would, would, would make a mistake and send me just one of his royalty checks. There man. you go. That's right. You get all the other yeah. stuff, but not that. I know. Why, why isn't... Uh, That's hilarious. Well, um, now you have... You released last year in the spring. You came out with The Telling, and, and I want to talk about that in a moment, but... Okay. Before we get into the the whole story of that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your songwriting process? You are you're a wordsmith. You love lyrics. You're clearly musical as well. Obviously, um, what's your songwriting process in terms of how how it's grown over the years when you first started and where you are today? If you can kind of give a bird's oh. eye view. Well, I wouldn't let anyone hear songs that I wrote <laughs> in the early <laughs> days. You know, yeah, they're quite embarrassing. Um, but um, until I got into the co-writing world, songwriting for me was one that, you know, something would happen. There would be some moment of inspiration or some scripture um, or, or uh, you know, a sermon series that was coming up. It would just grab hold of my heart, and I would begin to, and I would write about that. Um, in the case of well, we could probably talk about it in a minute, but in the case of some of the songs on my record, they were inspired by moments and conversations or, uh, you know, books or whatever um, the individual case would be. But um, over the years, I've transitioned into, you know, the world of co-writing, which is uh, kind of um, it's scary when you first jump into it because... I think sometimes as a songwriter, I know I had in my early, my earlier songwriting history, this real sense of this is an expression of me and it's a, you know, and, and, and kind of being too wrapped up into the song as um, viewing it as, as mine rather than something that was birthed by, by God and mm -hmm. from a gift that he had given. And so learning to let go mm -hmm. um, and learning to co-write has been, you know the greatest thing, and and I I would suggest that to to anyone who writes songs to and to co-write. And so now, songwriting for me, unless it's just this major like hit me in the chest inspiration, uh, they're ideas and concepts, little bits of melody, record on my iPhone or lyric or concept of a song, and then I bring those to other people, and we have a conversation and we have a dialogue. 
and to me, the better songs come from from the co-writing. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah, that wasn't m- much process as more the theology of no writing, problem. I guess. But, so tell, tell, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about process. What's what um, I guess are so is every are you saying that every song these days is a co-write? Um, I would say yeah, ninety percent of them are because I've just found um, the community aspect of of co-writing to create better songs and bringing someone else or being brought into someone else's idea ends up having a better journey. And you know what else it it, it kind of um, I, I tell this to to other songwriters that they're just getting started and um, and I kind of mentor and it's like when you sit down in your room alone and you write a song, you have this awkward experience where you first share it with someone you and you say, hey, I wrote this song. What do you think? And in that moment, you're on the line. Um, yeah. And that's really, it's, it's hard to not feel like you're, you're on the line because this is something created. Yeah. But in a co-writing session, you can say, here's an idea. And the other person can then says can laugh at it, and you can say, "Hey, I was just kidding." But you know, of course, that's <laughs> that's a joke. I'm joking, but it's like right. the the uh, the ideas in the moment and the dialogue help 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 you drill in and catch things that you wouldn't catch. And at the end of the day, you have a partner in this song, and when when you play it for someone, you're like, "We did this together." So mm-hmm. you know, and the certain. And it's really not even that we did this together. It's that the Lord, the, the Spirit, at least for believers who co-write, I, you know, the Spirit has united us in this. And we feel like through discernment, through the creativity he's given us, through learning to give uh, to one another, submit to one another, and submit to the Holy Spirit, this song is um, is not even really, mm. you know, our own. It it was. Uh, was birthed out of this moment, the that's, shared experience. That's awesome, that's awesome because, so. yeah, that that sort of sets you free from you having to hold on to it so tightly because it's not yeah. yours anymore. Yep. And you grow, and, and I find very often in, in co-writing, someone will be strong in melody, another is strong in lyric, um, and and together, uh, you know, it's, it's just beautiful. So once I kind of got... Uh, a taste of co-writing. Um, I just get it. I just get a bag of ideas together, and then when you when you're in community, you start to think, man, this idea I have, this would be a great song to go write with, you know, so and so. This would be right up so you know someone else's alley, and so yeah, I think you've had actually one of my co someone I co-wrote with uh, Caroline Cobb on on here as well, and yeah, that's well, one of those experiences that we've had. So, yeah, she's she's great, yeah, and Brady Toops, another mutual. Connection. Yeah, we hung out last week and uh, and started a song, so we'll see where that goes. So. That's great. Yeah, awesome. So now, what about practical stuff like any techniques? And I, I know that you know those aren't always one size fits all, but. Are there any disciplines that you can think of that that every songwriter should strive to work on? Um, Disciplines, I would say uh, read. Read other, uh, read books. 
you know, read read the Word, read the Bible. Um, I know that just sounds like the easy answer, but truly, um, God is uh, the best writer out there, you know. Right and on. the Psalms are, are beautiful. And I find myself, <clears throat> like, using, uh, like, on the web, parallel Bible forms, you know, and... and um, the message is a great one to read because it's 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 poetic. I remember looking up a scripture last week, um, and then flipping to the message, and it just was like, wow. The what what said is uh, talking about grace, like not of him who wills or run run willeth or runneth, but God who shows mercy. Um, um, you turn to the message, and it says it's not by our bleeding hearts, or you know, and it's so it just the poetic nature there is great to go to. Yeah. I love to read C.S. Lewis, um, the old hymn writers. They can be really inspirational. So a discipline is reading um, and also just writing all the time, thinking, um, thinking about the people that you minister to, their stories, where they're struggling and figuring out and just praying, asking, you know, how, what could we write to help them, uh, point them to God's truth. Um, and then also listening to other other music, other songwriters, not with just a, an entertainment ear, but one that says, what are they saying? How did they craft that? How did they rhyme? How do their melodies work? And I think my hmm. my my songwriting and arranging um, has only grown as I've listened um, deeper into music, even in arrangement, you know, listen to how the music is reinforcing the lyric, you know, how's the melody reinforcing um, the lyric. Yeah. So, so recap, discipline, read, read the word, read, read, read the word, read other people's works and listen to other music that you haven't, that you may not even listen to normally. Ask other people, what do you, what are you listening to? What inspires you? Especially young, younger people. I'll ask my nieces and nephews, what are you listening to? You know? And, um, it's a great question. And, yeah. And go. So, yeah, it reminds me, as you're saying that it reminds me, we had, um, actually, I think, yeah, it was our first interview on this podcast. Rick Kua, who's an old old Nashville friend of mine, who um, he just over and over kept saying, you know, be a student of great songwriting, yes. and um, just remember that. And 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 uh, yeah, I think obviously that, and then you got to apply what you learn. And I think writing a little bit every day is really powerful. So now you mentioned um, just now. Asking your um, asking your your nieces and your nephew nephews or whatever you said about um, you know what are you listening to? Uh-huh. Can we just ask you what are you currently listening to? Let's just uh, oh yeah throw that in there. Maybe like one or two. You don't have to list. So I mean, unless you want to, unless you're so excited about. Well, um, there are some there are some that I uh, lately that I have been telling other people go go listen to this. You know, and that would be. Um, Sleeping at last. Yeah. Are you, fam- are you familiar yeah. with them? Yeah. Sleeping at last, and and honest, also, it's not a big deal for me to 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 listen to artists that are not you know in the Christian or worship world. So, um, God gives those gifts, you know, gives gifts to even the unbelieving, and mm-hmm. um, but so. That's right. Um. But I believe I don't know where. But yeah, sleeping at last is one. I really love a singer songwriter from Austin named David Ramirez. 
I think he really captures the emotion and story of life really well. Um, that he might need to have a PG uh, <laughs> kind of kind of alongside that in, in this podcast. But um, PG David David Ramirez sleeping at last. Um, who else? Um, dude, I love Taylor Swift, man. Hey. You can't beat that. My daughter's ten, so you and my wife you know. both. <laughs> I like Taylor Taylor Swift too. Yeah, she's a good. She's an artist. She's actually a very good example of a mature young artist. Yeah. So unlike the other people that mm-hmm. we won't list their names of her age. Yeah, you know? for me, I, I also like. There's other bands. Aqualung. Yeah. It's a great, great thing to listen to. Some of these are older, um, you know, but. So that That's would awesome. be my key. Sleeping at last, David Ramirez would be the two. Caroline as well. I think Caroline's record is amazing how she captures the story of and the narrative of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So I tell everyone about her. Um, on the folk sense, Jenny Lee Riddle's album, People and Songs, just shows a great sense of community. A lot of songs, that she, all the songs on that record she wrote with other co-writers and those co-writers sing them and um, there are songs that, that the arrangements are such that you can listen and and kind of hear around them what you would do if you were to make them more rock or even make them more simple. So I love that record as well. That's so. cool. Yeah, we'll we'll put links to all of these in our show notes today. Um, and those the show notes, by the way, christianmusicblog.com slash... Da- oh, sorry. David, Rem- David Ramirez has a... I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, That's all right. I was no, no. Go ahead. Uh, David Ramirez has a song that hit me pretty hard the other day called uh, "The Forgiven," and he says, um, it talks about the. He says, you know, you love me for being honest. You love me for being myself. But the mention, I'm, the the moment I mention Jesus, they want me to go to hell. And he talks about how he struggles, you know, in faith and as a as a writer um, that that people will love the broken but not the forgiven. And it's just a great example of, of songwriting. Um, discern whether you'd want to link that song or not. But um, Oh, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, so for our, for our listeners, um, christianmusicblog.com slash session 45. That's our show notes for this episode, and all these links will be in there. So why don't we transition to talking about um, The Telling. And, okay. Uh, it's a 15-song album, which we were, we were talking earlier, you know, that's just really rare these days. People are releasing these, like, three or four song EPs, and here comes the good old classic album, you know, 15 songs. I mean, I, I haven't seen something like this since, like, a, a David Crowder, you know, kind of <laughs> kind of thing. So I, I'm inspired by it. I think it's fantastic. Tell us a little bit about this record. Well, you know, as a person who buys records, you know, I, I want my money's worth, so I figured, you know, Totally. The same, you know? Yep. Um, well, the album, um, the telling, the na- the title track is inspired by C.S. Lewis's great divorce, and it really, I think, after I wrote that song, um, is whenever I said, I, "This is a there's a journey that I want to kind of take take people on, and it's a journey that I'm going through and traveled through," and so. Um, the did, my air conditioner just came on. Is that making this thing loud? Nope, can't 
Okay. Can't even hear it. Cool. All right, cool. Carry on. All right. So my friend gave me The Great Divorce, the book, and he said, man, uh, you need to read this book. I guess he knew where I was, and or God used him in that way. And, and this passage in the book has probably impacted my heart, um, you know, only second to the, to the Bible and to the gospel. But in this book, there is a, a ghost of a, of a famous artist and an angel, and they're standing outside of heaven. And the, um, the, the ghost is looking at heaven, and he's just saying, when can I go and paint this? This is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And the angel says, well, that will come later. And, and he says, but I want to paint it now. And the angel has this dialogue and says, do you remember when you first started to paint? You know, you used paint as a means to show others these glimpses of the heavenly landscape that you saw. And you used paint to share that with them. And the artist dismisses that and says, well, yeah, but then you get smart and you learn how colors work and how all this happens. And, and the angel turns to him and says uh, this line that grabbed me, grabbed me and says, every uh, artist, musician, and poet but for grace is drawn from the love of the thing he tells to the love of the telling. Till down in deep hell there are those who cannot know God for what they have to say about him. And that's kind of heady. But uh, It's awesome though, man. When you grab hold of that, I realized here I am a worship leader, leading worship in an artist environment. And I started leading worship because I wanted to tell people about Jesus and point them to him. But as I learned art and working at a church that was kind of production heavy, I kind of became this, like this artist, one who was drawn sometimes to the love of music and to the love of making that music and making it excellent or creative, that I had been drawn to the love of the music more than the, the love of the one that I tell, that being Jesus. And so mm. it was 3 a.m. in the morning reading that book, and my wife was out of town, and I just stopped, and I rewrote that um, conversation in song form. So the chorus says, Don't let me be drawn to the love of the telling, but lead me to love of the one I tell. Because down in deep hell there are those who are singing a beautiful song, but it drowns in self. And the idea being there, music could be beautiful to the ears, but empty to the soul, that, that you could even, um, that perhaps even down, and as C.S. Lewis says, there are those who cannot know God for what they have to say about him. There could be music that is beautiful to the ear, but it's empty of, of the truth and of Jesus and of the heart, you know, that's, that is pointing people to to the giver of the gift. And I think that's a story that translates to attorneys, to doctors, to businessmen, to housewives. Oh, yeah. you, can, you can be drawn to, to do what you do um, for its own glory rather than for the glory of the one who's given you yeah. the gift. So that's the middle of the record, and, and that's uh, the whole album takes that story. I want to do this for you, God. I want to love you, glorify you. Then this moment, this confession, this prayer... Let me be drawn to loving Jesus more than my art. And there's some honest songs about marriage, about um, just the conviction of reading the word. And then 
there's a an instrumental record, an instrumental song called "The Crystal Stream," that is the uh, the melody of some of the part of of the song, the telling, and to me that identifies um, a turning point in the record. Where in C.S. Lewis, the angel says, uh, or in the Great Divorce, the angel says, "Once you drink of the fountain in heaven, you will create without pride and without modesty, as if someone else has created that art through you." And so that moment in the record is this moment where, okay, I've realized the error of my ways. I'm getting honest with God. Now I'm going to drink of him. And then the rest of the record is complete like glorification of the grace of God, that he has saved us by his work on the cross, that he's working this out in us. That, that In a way, that whole parallel from the telling that now God is living in us and through us and what we do and what we say and how we live is not our own. It's as if someone else is, has taken um, that work upon himself. And that's, that's truly, it's, it's the gospel message. So that's really why there's 15 songs as well, because it's, it's awesome. a long story to tell. So yeah. That's anyway. so cool. And, and, and so the, those songs near the end of the record are more congregationally suited. Is that how you describe it? Like worship songs? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the first part as well, but there's songs that are kind of decla- declaration. I'll sing, I'll sing of you. I'll sing of how you saved me. You know, uh, when we see, we there's a song called "Lie to the World." It's more congregational. But then, yeah, the last part uh, would also be congregational, but I would also say not in mass, in in mass churches, but probably more like the kind of artistic environment that these were birthed in. You know. So yep. they're kind of on on the artistic end of the scale. Um, a lot of what I'm writing now, I'm writing in in mind with the church in mind with a, one guy with a guitar, you know, people in their 60s or people in their you know t- teenage years. So hmm. um, th- it really is an an, an artistically uh, bent worship. Uh, worship songs uh, you know at the end of the uh, end of the record so it's awesome yeah yeah and and passion song is the song that that opened up this segment here on the podcast today and um why don't we oh, cool. talk a little bit about about that because um, that song won you um songwriter of the year for the gma immerse 2012 thing yeah and, um, tell us a little bit how that how that happened well uh you asked earlier about process so this would be a good example of songwriting process and I'll share the story of the song as well but um, and also tied back into being in the local community so I was um, a worship leader and on staff and we were planning Easter that year and we were talking about you know the same conversation any worship leader church leader has what are we going to do at Easter how are we going to tell the story and I remember thinking man when you really sit back and think about the narrative of Holy Week, it's just, it's crazy, man. The same people, uh, to, to walk alongside Jesus and be his, his disciple, you know, and see all that he did, and then to walk into the city that week and see people praise him and lay down their palm branches, and those same people a week later crucify him, and then he ra- raises from the dead. Like, can you imagine what it would have been like? And this is a question that I ask myself a lot in writing. What would it have been like to see that? What would you hear? What would you feel? And I remember just being moved almost to tears, just imagining what, what it would have been like to be 
alongside Jesus in all of this. And so I came home and thought of John. Um, I actually asked my pastor, like, you know, who would have seen all of that? And he's like, well, well, John. John was the closest. He was the the beloved, you know. And he was in all these different moments mm -hmm. throughout Holy Week. So I came home and started uh, thinking about about that, inspired by kind of the feel of David Ramirez that we mentioned earlier. And I sat down and just thought, uh, what would it have been like? What would, you, what would you see? What would you taste? What would you feel? What would John have done? And so I started writing the song just on the piano. Um, starts off with this lyric, I was with him when he rode into town, you know, and these crowds gathered around him like a king. And so it, each moment of the song tells it, tells it, paints the picture of what John would have seen and then what he would have heard and then what he felt. So he'll, his heart his heart is in his throat whenever all these people are all of a sudden praising Jesus on Palm Sunday. And then his heart breaks when Jesus dies on the cross. And then um, tears stream down his face when he hears the news that, that Christ rose. And so I started the song and um, had a bit of melody and some lyric idea and recorded it in my phone. And then driving to, to church office the next day, had a little bit more ideas. I had this kind of Hosanna lyric that's in, that made it in the song. And I came to my friend um, and co-worker, Tyler Ellison, and I said, man, I have this crazy idea for just telling the Easter story from the narrative of John. And I played what I had, and, man, he was excited about it. And so we sat down and wrote um, more, more of the verses, more of the song. And that's an example, too, man, where, like, the song wouldn't have wouldn't be what it is if I hadn't brought it to him. And he had some really brilliant lines, these, this idea of, uh, of breaking the bread and drinking the wine from Jesus. And his idea was from the only living vine that we would taste. Like, and which gives this whole kind of metaphor for Christ being the vine, you know. That's awesome. And, and so, yeah, we wrote the song and um, had some friends from Nashville some people I knew tell me about this immersed conference and um, where you can submit songs and submit yourself as an artist and ended up going there and, and yeah um, you know it was a, it was different song than your typical kind of Christian CCM or worship song but um, you know it was uh, they named it as songwriter 2012 for a GMA immerse so it was a great thing and a lot of churches have used it and their Easter services, and, you know, what a blessing. Like, you just sit back and say, you know, thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for the conversation I had with Tyler, that an idea that was birthed in me was then joined with another person, and, mm. and here's this song, you know? so yeah. yeah, talk about the journey of a song, one song. That's really cool. Yeah. And that, that um, really opened up some doors for you, and you were mentioning before we started recording just some exciting things that you're currently doing. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, start, I've, I've had quite a number of uh, great experiences uh, co-writing with, you know, uh, others who are, are more experienced writers and have learned a lot and, and then even spent uh, over the last, in the last two years, have gone on a, on, a, um, on a tour with Jenny Lee Riddle, who's a person I co-write and become a dear friend and a mentor and we co-write a lot. But we've gone to high schools and junior high, um, like private schools, and 
uh, you know, done their cha their chapels and taught songwriting and um, with you know junior high and high school students, talked to them about how to write the Word of God, how to have the church in mind when you write and our processes and train with train them and um, spend spend some time investing in you know this field of, of younger people, which is beautiful, man. If I'd had that kind of uh, influence at a young age, uh, I would have started writing songs. Um, I think at an earlier time, and then we're also doing a a uh, summer intensive. Jenny's got going that I'm going to be a part of. It's called the Emerging Sound, where junior high and high school students can come and write with other writers from Nashville, and um, yeah, it's just going to be a, a really cool thing. So, very cool. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, and it's it's really cool. I, Jenny, I, I've never met her, but um, I think most people would obviously know her for a Revelation song. Yeah, and um, and yet she does so much more than that. I mean from what you've described and just the kind of like the, the unseen sort of stuff that a lot of folks who sing her song all over the world wouldn't know about. And I think that what what's coming to mind for me right now is like someone who says, Oh, I just want to write that one song. I just need to write one revelation song or I need to write this or that, you know, all it takes is one. And, and um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you know her well, I don't know her at all, but she might say mm -hmm. actually, I've written so many songs. Uh, I I live and breathe songwriting. I live and breathe serving people with songwriting and helping songwriters. Um, there is a journey and a process behind Revelation Song that that is so much more than just mm -hmm. the one song. Does that make sense? Like, um, I think a lot of writers yeah. often look for like, we got to write the one, the one Revelation song. That's all we need, kind of thing. Yeah, and to. Um to quote her as best as I can, and if you know you go to the emerging sound, I believe the quote's right there on the page. But uh, I think uh, she says, "If I can write a song, I can influence my my circle, my sphere of influence. But if I can train up an army of kingdom pens, then the influence for the gospel is then exponential." And so. That really is awesome. her, her heart, and I believe, um, if I can be so bold, that to say that should be the heart of every songwriter, mm -hmm. to share your gift, to grow in your gift, and to train up others in that for the sake of the gospel, you know? So, um, that's, awesome. so that's really who, who, who she is, and <clears throat> I, I think my prayer is that with the, with the emerging sound that we will, we will spark something um, in the hearts of young worship leaders who maybe right now they just sing and lead worship for their youth group, but they'll go back home and they'll say, what is God birthing for us, for our community, you know, from the Word of God, and and yep. remove some of the fear in songwriting by teaching them how to co-write and how to deal with their art and their songs in a healthy, in a healthy manner. So there's a great team involved with that. Who's very diverse. Um, there's some songwriter uh, songwriters who are kind of Mumford and Sons-ish, and then there's integrity, you know, artists, and there's gospel type artists. And so we, we she, Jenny has really assembled a great team, I think, to do some great kingdom work. So that's one thing that that has kind of happened beyond, um, you know, 
the GMA Immerse and songwriting and stepping out in, in artistry. So, yeah. That's awesome. Added, added to that, what if, um, if, if there was one thing that you would just, one piece of advice, one, it could be practical, it could be inspirational, whatever you, whatever you think, for you know, a songwriter who's getting started, what do, they, what do they need to do after they hear this podcast interview? What should they do today? Some, some action step. You curve, might have to edit. Curve you ball. might have to edit some silence out here. <laughs> no problem, dude. It's no worries, uh, man. I didn't mean to throw you a curveball there. No, I just I feel like it's an important question, so I want to answer it faithfully. Um, after you hear this nonsense that I, <laughs> no. <laughs> I just I think of like all that you're doing, and it's so inspiring, and and you know, of course, Jenny's. Jenny's ministry, and I'm yeah, sure okay. you know if you could put it in one sentence for someone who's listening. What do I need to go do today? You know. Okay, this is probably not going to be the kind of answer you're expecting. Maybe so, but if I were to say what someone who listens to to our little hang today, I would say go um, take some time and check your heart right now. Check your motivation between the music and art you make, the songs and the words that you write, make sure that you're fully dedicating that to the Lord and that the bride of Christ or, or you know, the, sh- the, the sheep that you lead and that you shepherd are, are number one in your heart. Or if you're, if you're an artist who writes, if you're not writing worship and you're writing art songs, then just check your heart before the Lord and ask Him to put faces before you, people before you in your mind um, that you're going to share the gospel with. So if you're an artist who writes songs in order to share truth, um, not to be sung congregationally, ask God to, to put a burning in your heart for certain people and tell, tell, the, tell a story, tell their story, and be honest about your brokenness, about your own struggles. And I, I believe that an honest heart before God, even if you, after you take this time and you and you pray, if you feel like the Lord has revealed um, pride or impure motivations between between art, write that into a song, you know, hmm. and and be honest because people. Uh, human hearts, they love honesty. When they, you read the Psalms and you read David, and he and he says, you know, and you see him reminding himself to not forget what God has done, or where are you, God? You know, it's those moments of honesty that I think um, really allow God to move. So that's it. That's awesome. I, I would say check your heart, check your motivations, and and dedicate all that you do again to the Lord. So. Very good. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking of um, already. You know, the again going back to the story of the painter in the Great Divorce with the angel. Yeah. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what that's all about. I mean, yeah, it's really it's really true. And I, what is what is the line again? I I don't have it right in front of me, but just you know, in the future, basically, he's going to be painting without pride and without modesty. Is that what it is? He said, yeah. He says when when you drink of a, of a fountain. 
I could send you a, a blog or the man the the transcript of that. Sure, as well. that'd be great. I'd love to maybe but, maybe include that. Yeah. But he says, when you drink of the fountain up there, you uh, and he and he uses this weird word, but uh, I can't remember what it is. But I had to look it up. But it's like basically, when you drink from this fountain, you will then create without pride and without modesty, mm -hmm. as if someone else has done that through you. And and additionally, he says up in heaven to this artist, he says, the artist wants to know, are there famous people there? Well, I well I get to meet so and so and so and so, and he's like, N well, everyone, everyone is known by the one that matters most. You know, you're known by God. God sees your work. Uh, do what you do before the Lord. And um, so, really, that I think that that's kind of been the ministry of that that God's put me in for the last couple of years is just meeting other artists and telling them and, and not being afraid to say, dude, I was a, a mess. I got, I got sucked into production and perfectionism and the Lord corrected me and, mm. and, uh, may he either preserve you or correct you when you get in that situation, you know, or keep you from that. So, you know, I, I I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of my, my 19 month old baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh just how precious it is. I mean, that quote, you know, to to create with neither pride nor modesty. Now that's that's what a that's what a child does, you know. Yep. My kid who draws on this piece of paper, it looks crazy, right? And it's it's I don't know. It's it's awesome though because he's not full of pride and he's not necessarily being modest about it either. It's just like this innocence that only children mm -hmm. have and it just reminds me of, of the words of Jesus you know unless you're like a child you cannot yeah. see the kingdom so yeah, and the truth yeah. that he works in and through us yeah. for his for his good pleasure you know and there's a great in the same vein I'll leave I'll, I'll, one more nugget there's a hymn writer Frances Havergal she has a poem called the prelude to song and she uses this metaphor there um, be my verse a hidden stream and she talks about her song being this stream that goes through this empty valley and this wandering pilgrim who needs refreshment drinks of it and it gives them exactly what they need in that moment but no one else knows but this stream finds its way and ends in the ocean of God's glory mm -hmm. and it's just one of the most beautiful pieces of poetry I've ever read wow. um, awesome. I haven't put it into a song yet and so I I guess I need to do it before this releases because someone else might, <laughs> they might beat me to it. But if they do, God bless them. Or if there's ten versions, it's worth it's a, it's a prayer worth praying. Let my verse be a hidden stream. So that's very cool. Yeah. Well, bro, this yeah. has been a, this has been a real encouragement. Thanks for thanks again for coming on the podcast. Before before we um, say goodbye, why don't you tell folks where they can go and find out more about you? All right. Well, um, I'm on Facebook, so you could search Sean Carter there. Um, my my Twitter and Instagram are both at s Carter Music, and um, my website is scartermusic.com. I think. <laughs> yeah, I have it right. Yeah. I have it in front of me here. Okay, that's funny. I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember if it was Sean Carter or S Carter, but I think Jay Z already owns Sean Carter. So yeah, he probably does. S Carter That's right. Yep. Yep. So yeah, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, 
and uh, my web page is just a, you know, nothing inspiring. I did it myself, but you know, there you go. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll have all these links um, again in our show notes today for those of you who oh, are listening. Oh, you got something else. Yes. You can, you want to redo all of that? No, no, or, no, no. We don't have to redo it. Okay. Yeah, my YouTube. I, I have a lot of YouTube stuff, and that's fun to connect with. So uh, my YouTube is that. I think it's a S. Carter Music TX for Texas. So Okay, cool. If that's wrong, put that link to. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure it's right. All right. Well, there's more song stories and things like that on there. and So... Yeah. Very cool. Well, hey, dude, thanks again. It was great to have this talk, and I and, uh, appreciate yeah, you coming on, man. Thanks for doing what you do in, with your podcast. Uh, and I've, I've grown a lot just by listening to, to, the, to it as well. So well, keep dude, it up. Well, thank you for that. It's, it's a real honor and privilege to talk, like, talk, to, talk to guys like yourself, and, and please continue to do what you're doing and investing in songwriters and worship leaders and, and creating great great art and music for the glory of God. That's, that's really needed these days. So keep cool, it up man. yourself. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Take care. All right. Peace be with you, my friend. All right. That was uh, really exciting to have him on the podcast. Really stoked about all that he's doing. Um, I definitely just want to encourage you guys, head over to scartermusic.com. That is his website there. And, um, and just kind of read through the site. There's a lot of great um, information on, again, him him talking about the story behind the telling and um, and his biography and some videos. And it's just really cool what's going on with him. And um, again, Passion Song. Wasn't that just an awesome song? You know, there at the beginning, we segued um, using that song. And it's just powerful. And it's no, no wonder that he won um, Songwriter of the Year with that immerse thing, I, I mean, I, I listen. I listened to that song as as we were just tr- transitioning into that interview p- part there, and um, I'm looking at the words, just thinking, man, he really took time. Uh, he and uh, the guy that he wrote it with to really craft a fantastic song and to think through every word and to really um, provide just an an amazing illustration of what it would have been like for John the apostle, you know, to be there. And um, I don't know. It's just awesome. Fantastic. So good, good job, Sean. I'm really excited about knowing you and about um, just continuing to see what God does in and through your life. So people, go over to scartermusic.com. That's where his um, stuff is. And um, again, the show notes, as I've already mentioned, christianmusicblog.com slash session 45. And you can see some links there. Um, We've got all the different links for the artists that he mentioned that he's listening to. And um, I also referenced Rick Kua, you know, um, that was our very first interview on this podcast. It's session two and um, was was really just reminded of his words. Um, you can go back and listen to that. But one of the phrases that he um, uses is grow in your own garden. And he's talking about songwriters in churches, specifically worship leading songwriters who, um, you know, often would have asked him. He was a publisher in Nashville for a while. And um, he'd get asked a lot, you know, what do I do to get my songs heard? What do I do to get my songs published or exposed to, to more people? And um, he would always use the phrase, grow in your own garden. And he's talking about, in your church, in your context, learn how to serve your people and write songs for that group, that, that real flesh and blood, as Sean said, you know, face-to-face uh, group of people. And I think as you begin to do that, you're, you're beginning to grow in your own garden 
and God will open up doors for you. Um, We talk a lot about that kind of stuff here on the podcast, stewardship and faithfulness right where you are with what God has given you. And um, I just know that as you do that, God will open up doors for you. So I want to leave leave that with you too. That was something I was thinking about um, during our interview there. But um, again, yeah, head over to our show notes. You can get links for all of that. And um, that's it for this week's episode. I want to just send you guys out by um, playing another song from his record. This one's called The Telling. This is what he was talking about with the the great divorce inspiration there. Um, And it's a fantastic song. So we're going to head out with that one. Again, if it's your first time listening to the podcast, I want you to go check out christianmusicblog.com slash gift. And again, that's where you can get um, that little PDF for, it's also an audio guide that goes with it. But Evernote, how you can use Evernote to get more organized with your songwriting. So again, that's christianmusicblog.com slash gift. All right, you guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. It means so much. We'll see you next time here on the CMB Podcast.
Thank you for listening to the CMB Podcast. For more valuable content, including helpful articles and video, visit christianmusicblog.com.